Welcome to Living Heritage, a show about people who are engaged in the heritage and culture sector, all those who keep heritage alive at the community level. This episode is part of a series of programs in partnership with the Memorial University graduate course Folk 6740, Public Folklore, and the Craft Council of Newfoundland to document craft traditions in the province of Newfoundland and Labrador. My name is Kelly McCath-Morin, and my guest today is Katie Parnham. An integral part of the professional craft world in Newfoundland and Labrador, Katie is a recipient of the Atlantic Canada Craft Award for Excellence, an honorary member of the Craft Council of Newfoundland and Labrador, an educator with over 40 years of teaching experience and a professional craftsperson. Welcome to the show, Katie. Hi there, Kelly. Good morning. It's good to have you with us. Thank you. Um, I'd like to start, because you've been at this a long time, I'd like to start with how you began. You've done a lot of work to support the professional crafting careers of other people. So I'm curious about your own beginnings. What drew you to this work and who were your own mentors? Um, Well, my mother was, my mother uh, came from England, my mother and father, and uh, her mother was a quilter and her um, mother's sister, my great aunt, was a jeweler. My mother was a knitter. So I had a nice base of, um, you know, technical uh, possibilities. Um, and my mother was the person who pushed me into this career. <laughs> um, and I did this, the course that I've taught in for so many years. I took that course when I was 17. And it was a one-year craft program. Um, and I learned mostly weaving, but of other techniques. Um, and then I went on to um, Nova Scotia College of Art and got a degree and then came back and worked as a field instructor, a craft field instructor for over 10 years. And that was a really interesting job. I worked with six other, five or six other uh, women and we would travel the province and teach craft in communities. So it was a community-based program and that's how a lot of people uh, discovered craft was through uh, our field working um, offerings. And we worked with Anna Templeton who was the pioneer for craft training in Newfoundland. Fantastic. Mm. So your mother was a quilter and... My mother was a knitter. Was a knitter and... Her mother was a quilter. Her mother was a quilter and you also had jewelers in the family. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about their work. This is fascinating. my, I remember when I was a kid going into the marketplace with my grandmother when we, uh, we lived in Newfoundland, but we'd go over there for visits and we'd go into the marketplace and she would uh, uh, gravitate towards the uh, beautiful satins and silks. And so she made uh, quilt covers and quilts with that. And my, um, my great aunt, Katie, who I'm named after, um, she was a jeweler. She also uh, was very, uh, um, she was in the, Communist Party and uh, during the time when Lenin um, was in power and she was a very good um, friend of Lenin and Lenin's wife and actually went to work um, on the communes and stuff but came back and she was doing her her masters I think um, she was a did translations and uh, so she that was her job but she was a jeweler and we as we grew up we all got rings and various bits of jewelry that we still have that's fascinating. Mm. So she lived in Russia for a while. She did. And uh, tell me a little more about her history with Lenin. This is fascinating. Well, that's as well. that's that's about all I can tell you about that. I know that she went with um, my uncle Ernie, who they weren't they weren't married, and um, they eventually came back. I guess things weren't exactly how they had expected, and she had to come back and make a living in in England. 
And you also made a living on the road yourself. Tell me about that. Well, I would, the, um, yes, so I would travel around um, and teach in various craft communities. And I did, as I said, I did that for 10 years. And then there was an opening in the, um, the school that I had, had um, been taught and uh, at the craft school and they said if you go off and do your masters Katie you know and then we'll save a spot for you and you can come come and um, and teach in the program so by that time the program was a two-year program and it was a textiles uh, it was called textile studies and um, so I went off to Manchester England and did my masters there in embroidery and uh, I had a little child who was like two and a half three and a husband who was supposed to be he, he was supposed to be looking after Morgan but uh, in the end he ended up uh, going and doing his PhD there so that was a, a really interesting time and came back and and then I've taught in the program and the, the program's called textiles craft and apparel design now it's morphed into a new a new um, name and uh, it's part of the College of the North Atlantic programs so they saved a place for you, mm-hmm. and you finished your master's degree and came back to teach. Tell me about that, about coming back to teach. What was that like after having been on the road for so long? Uh, well, it was wonderful. You know, I, I didn't have to worry about, you know, Morgan being home, and I was, I was now, uh, you know, teaching permanently. And, um, but, the, but the thing that um, was the most important, well, yes, my home life was settled, um, and, uh, and that was great and in fact Morgan um, grew up within the program so she she kind of before she she actually took the program eventually but she kind of grew up with the program and she was a she's a weaver and she's been weaving since she was a little kid Um, one of the things that I I am like in doing my masters and the reason why I went to do my masters was I was trying to figure out well, I was kind of trying to grow myself, but I was also trying to figure out what uh, what techniques, what uh, philosophies you might they might have in England that were different than our philosophies, and what was it that they put in their programs to make their their students successful. And I really wanted to grow the industry and help the industry grow. And I I feel that education is a really strong base that you have to have. And um, so I, I went to study that. So I, I traveled around in England and went to a number of, of colleges there. So I went, uh, so I was in Manchester, but I went up to Scotland. I went down to, to um, uh, Loughborough and uh, to London and uh, just to look at their programs and to see how they had them all um, organized. And one of the things that was extremely interesting to me was that design was one of the most the strongest um, uh, feature in those programs and um, what I had seen in my education was emphasis on skill and not on design and so that was one of the the most important things that I I came back to work with a really wonderful team of people um, but all of us had that focus of design and and recognized that and I think that that has been a strength of the program over the years. Can you talk a little bit about the differences between skill and design for people who aren't craftspersons? If I was teaching you how to knit 
I would say, okay, here, this is cast on, and this is how you do a knit row, and you know, a knit stitch, and this is how you do a purl stitch. But if I give you a problem, that once you have that basic skill, and I give you a problem, and you're in a, in a class with a bunch of other people, I am going to give you a problem that you can start to develop your ideas and your thought process so that what you come up with in the end is going to be much different than the person who sits next to you. You're not going to come up with the same thing. So you're going to, you're going to think about it. So it's a, it's a process that you go through. So you have an idea. You take that idea and you develop it. And you might have to draw it. So you need some drawing skills. You have to draw your ideas down. And then you start moving it around. And then you start to sample. You don't just do the first thing that you you think about. You do a whole bunch of little samples, well, not little, it could be big samples, whatever. And then you do the final piece. And so that whole process is extremely important in the development of a craftsperson, in the development of an artist. You know, like it's, it's, uh, it's great to produce people who know how to knit or how to embroider or who know how to quilt, but it's really important to have people who know the design process and have good design. It sounds a bit like professional play. Sure, sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never thought of that word, but yes. Yeah, playing with one design and then yeah. taking a look at it and seeing whether or not it works or seeing what works about it and then moving on to something that's a little closer to your finished product. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. Yeah. What else, what else can you tell me about this, this process of learning from England and bringing things? How did, the, how did the program change when you came back to it as a result of having been in England? Well, it was, it was kind of interesting that everybody who had been teaching in the program retired. So there was um, two other people who had just started in the program as well. So together we had to figure out our we had to figure out how to work together and how to figure out our philosophy. So that the design became more I mean technique is extremely important and to do something very well and make it very fine is, is extremely important. But unless you have really good design, your piece is not going to be outstanding. So the the three of us had to work as a team and then things changed over the years and it ended up that those people left and I was um, I became the leader of the program and um, we picked some very good people to replace um, you know we've had lots of really good people over the years so I, I've just retired and um, so I've left a really strong team there to continue to uh, I think have had the same kind of philosophy but they'll It'll change, everything will change, and it'll morph into something bigger and better, I'm sure. Congratulations on your retirement. Thank you. Um, so you were in leadership in the program for quite some time. Mm -hmm. How did the program itself develop as a result of your leadership? Well, I, for the most part, you don't really know what you're doing. And, um, but as, because you have time there, um, you get to look and think about the people that you're teaching. And so what I started to realize is that people were there, students were there for two years. And within that two years, not only can you teach good des design or, you know, and, and technique, but you can develop people's person personality and um, make them stronger and uh, better people. So I would look and I would talk, you know, I talk to the people of my colleagues and say, you know, what is it that we want the students to have when they leave the space? W you know, what are the, what qualities are, you know, we want them to be good speakers. 
So then we develop within our programs opportunities for people to um, talk about their work. We want to make sure that they've had experiences of one of a kind. So we we um, had exhibitions. We had um, we developed um, a stronger fashion or apparel section of the program, and so we have fashion shows. So um, and then we also have. Um, we want people to be, make more than one of something. So we make sure that they have a craft fair project. So they have to go and sell their work. So we, that's the sort of thing that we developed um, that would make a, a student when they leave uh, more ready to uh, become a professional. So I know that our listeners are gonna be really interested in this and I know I am too. Can you walk us through one of these exhibitions? What do you see? What kinds of mediums were, were, I'm assuming medium is the correct word? Sure. Okay. What kind of mediums did students use? What do these exhibitions look like? What was there? And maybe talk a little bit about the fashion shows as well in, in the same, same vein. Mm. Um, so the program is two years. In the last, um, submit, well, in the second last semester, which is the winter semester, we asked the students to write a proposal of what their work will look like. So we've, we've, we've guided them for the past year and a half, and now is there, it's their time to um, think about what, what their strengths are, what their interests are, uh, what they might like to produce. So they come up with an idea or a theme, and then they, they tell us what that body is going to look like. Um, so that body could be very practical, um, it, or it could be off. It could be completely um, not practical. <laughs> I'm thinking of the word conceptual. And uh, so we had uh, one student, who, and we've had students who have come directly from high school. We've had students with other experiences who've come, uh, like from Grenfell, um, from from art programs and fine art programs from NASCAD. Um and so it depends on what their experiences are as to what they do. So one, one uh, student um, made a, a structure of a, a clothing structure and she, she grew, um, she planted seeds. And so the seeds grew, so they were chia seeds. So it was like this giant chia uh, sculpture. Um, she knit uh, various things and uh, stressed them. Uh, some she put in, um, in water for like six months and then you could see what the result was when it came out others she buried you know so that the work went from from this terrible stressed situation to like all of a sudden mounted on the walls um one of our instructors is uh, really good at um, doll making and so we've had a lot of really wonderful um dolls or animals or uh be part of exhibitions. Every exhibition is going to be completely different because every student is different. Yeah. Um, one of the things I'd like to say though that I was, I have been, I'm proud of is that uh, the craft, well, as I am one of a bunch of people who've worked together for the craft industry. So the craft council's executive director and manual has been a real um, steering person to help build the craft industry. And um, she, alongside with Bev Barber and I, um, and the city of St. John's, have developed the um, Kitty Vitty Plantation, which is a, um, 
it's a place where there's 10 studios for um, um, emerging craftspeople. And uh, so we have studios there that uh, they, stu- um, they're called artisans. Artisans are there. They have had some experience. Um, they could be self-taught. They could have gone through our, my program. They could um, come from all kinds of different disciplines and stuff. And they are dis- different disciplines. And they come there and they learn the business of craft. And that's been open for five, this is almost six years now. And that has really been instrumental in producing new emerging craftspeople in the province. And, uh, and that continues. And I, in fact, I'm, I've got a little job there right now. I, I finished work in, in December and uh, am just there for f- six months while they have find a full-time person to uh, be the mentor there. So I'm just there for the minute. That's, that's incredible. And it's so generous of you. It's so generous of your time. It is. It's generous. It's well, generous of your time. It, that's that's really fantastic. Well, it is, and it's it's interesting to see after teaching and having two years with someone. And in fact, our program will take people for three years if um, people want to come back because we don't feel that they're really finished in two years. They're not always ready to develop. So sometimes they do a third year, and this, the the more education that you get. <clears throat> Excuse me. The more education you get, the stronger, the, the better professional that you're going to be. And unfortunately, the college uh, hasn't had the uh, ability to make it into a three or four year pro- program. So we're not a degree, we're only a diploma program. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you've talked a little bit about the Craft Council of Newfoundland and Labrador. I'd like to talk a little bit more about that because I know you've done a great deal of work for them. Um, so, what sort of work beyond the plantation have you done for the council? Uh, I've probably been um, on every single committee that that they've had, mostly. I've been the executive director. I've been the um, treasurer. Um, and I keep going on and off over the past 40 years. Um, but the, yeah, that's my role. Um, I've been on various committees. Uh, so... Um, like I've worked with the standards committee and I've worked with the uh, shop committee. Um, I also work uh, with the Anna Templeton Center, which is Anna Templeton Center for Craft Art and Design. So that is the textiles program is housed in that in that space down on Duckworth Street. Um, and they Bev Barber is the executive director and she runs the uh, part-time program, part-time programs down there. So um, I've worked a lot with her. Mm-hmm. So with you know, and now, now Rowena House is uh, actually the executive director of the Craft Council because Anne's retired, and uh, we can we all continue to work together. How has the uh, Craft Council changed over the years? Tell me a little bit about its beginnings and and how it's changed, and maybe maybe how it's how it's different now from what it was when you started. Oh, it's really grown. It's it's really grown. It um, it started uh, in a small little office, and. Uh, and there's been various. Actually, it started in a in a building that used to be the um, a funeral home, and there was a little office there. And I was had a summer job at St. Mary's Bay Craft, and I was weaving upstairs. And um, they had one person would come in. I think it was Donna Cluston, and check the messages once a week. At the at, that was the craft council, and since then um, they have their own building. They bought their own building they've opened up a shop they've opened up um, a ga- they have a gallery space they have uh, Vanel is there 
so they rent rent rooms and they're actually in the middle of moving and they're going to move to a new space um, and leave Devon House and move into a new space so they they're always changing and growing and um, yeah they're 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 really moving up <laughs> so I wanted to ask you a little bit about um, about aesthetics Yep. Um, your teachings focused on textiles, but you've also practiced and taught techniques including weaving, spinning, basketry, surface embellishment, quilting, and print and dye. Um, so you've got a practiced eye where it concerns quality craft work. How do you decide in, in, in the work of your students what makes a piece of craft work good? Well, the design. <laughs> <laughs> the backup work, the idea. Well, f you know, the idea, the idea is the is it a good idea? Um, and usually, most ideas are are good. Um, but if someone has spent time really uh, pushing those ideas and really developing those ideas, and then uh, coupled with a wonderful and really great technique, um, then that's what makes a, a piece that's that's fine and and distinctive. Um, You've talked a little bit about distinctiveness too. What what is distinctiveness in in terms of of a person's craft work? What distinguishes one piece of craft work from another? I guess the way that they use the technique. Okay. Um, I'm I'm just thinking of my my daughter is a weaver and she's a dyer, and her work is different than the. She lives in Bonavista. She has a little shop there, and there's another craft shop there that also has a textile um, artist there. And she she also does she dyes uh, things and uses dyes. So one uh, you know, Anna Murphy she she uses natural dye. Um, she uses silk. Morgan might weave silk, but she, she you know she ha uses cotton. She uses wool. You know th what makes it distinctive is just how you use all the materials. Mm -hmm. And and. And it's going to look different, and it's going to talk about the work. Will talk about you, and talk about your style. You know, yeah. Susan Furno, she is really interested in, um, in, th like she uses animals in her pieces. So she's an she's an embroiderer, and she'll um, work in a in a she'll have a theme. But sometimes that theme can have um, skeletons of, of of rabbits or mice or rats or you know she that makes her work really distinctive it yeah. makes it unique to her it speaks unique to back her. to her yes it yeah. speaks to other people about her i would imagine correct yeah so i've got one or two more questions for you here um the first one is what would you tell a person who wants to become a professional crafts person what kind of advice would you give a newcomer uh I would tell them that they um, should, <laughs> if they really want to do it, they should do it. Um, it is a really rewarding um, occupation. It um, you have to work really hard. Where you might have to do more than one thing. We um, we we had a little conference, uh, an industry day. Uh, a couple of years ago and the theme was so you want to be a craftsperson well how is that going to work for you and um, you might have to do uh, you might have to teach you might have to make your craft 
you might have to get some grants. You might have to um, develop products for wholesale. You know, there's all kinds of ways to make money. So, I, in fact, Anne Manuel, I think it was like 101. She didn't really have 101, but it was like 101 ways to be a craftsperson and how to make your make a living. And and um, and so that's what that uh, that industry day was about. And uh, yeah, that's what. So you're very focused not only on the artisanship, but also on the business. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. very important. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people coming out of my program, I think that they are more business focused. If you come out of a art college, they don't have very much business background and they're more conceptual. So it's it's a bit more difficult um, for it's difficult for anyone to be a creative person and to make their living at it. It's really difficult and and it's important that we support people who who do those things because they collect you know they they collect our culture you know they they keep our culture alive and uh, not you know not everybody can do that but um, the other thing we need to do is we need to educate people because you know a lot of people say oh I'm I can knit that <laughs> I can I can I can do that and and perhaps they can but um, yeah we it's important not only to make the art, but to support the art, mm-hmm. both as um, teachers, as you've done, but also as people who appreciate the art mm-hmm. and support the artist. Yeah. How can people, and I promise this really is the last question, <laughs> how can people in Newfoundland and Labrador support textile artists right now? Well, of course they could buy the work. Our houses don't do not have to be filled with um, Walmart goods. Our houses could be like. It occurred to me not too long ago that wh- why am I buying plastic furniture for outside when I could be getting some really cool outside for you know lawn furniture, cool furniture from you know uh, woodworkers or or you know Mike Patterson makes some fantastic outside furniture. So why am I trying to even me? you know, to, to buy the cheapest. I, I think that if you're going to spend money, you have to think about what you want to enjoy and have surround you and go and find the, the, the piece that speaks to you, whether it's textiles or uh, artwork or, around you. Yeah. I completely agree. So folks, you've heard it from Katie Parnham herself. Go out and support local Newfoundland and Labrador artisans. <laughs> That's all the time we have. Thank you so much for being on the show and for sharing your insights with us. You're very welcome, Kelly. Thank you. I'm Dale Jarvis. You've been listening to Living Heritage, a production of CHMR Radio 93.5 in collaboration with the Intangible Cultural Heritage Office of the Heritage Foundation of Newfoundland and Labrador. Find us online at ichblog.ca or on iTunes. Our production assistant is Tara Barrett. We would love to know what you think of the show. Leave us a comment on the Living Heritage Podcast Facebook page or tweet us at HFNLCA. Thanks for listening.